Well, once again, uh, Merry Christmas and welcome. We're so glad that you have joined us today. Uh, I want to start the message this morning with a, a true story. Happened on Christmas Eve, 1914. Those who were there called it a Christmas miracle. World War I had been underway for about four months and already over a million soldiers had been killed. It was on the German front near the border of France and Belgium where soldiers were dug into trenches, English, French, and others on one side, the Germans on the other. And it was a miserable, miserable day. A cold rain was falling, the trenches were filled with, with thick mud and just dirty water. In some trenches, decomposing bodies were floating on the muddy water. Soldiers had to sleep standing up. It was really a horrific, horrific time and place. But around 10 p.m. Christmas Eve, enemy soldiers started calling out across no man's land Christmas greetings to one another. Uh, then at one point, a lone baritone voice was heard uh, singing silent night, holy night, and soon people on both sides of no man's land were singing, some of course in German, others in, in English. And when the song had died down, soldiers cautiously peeked over the tops of the trenches and they held up signs promising not to fight and as they looked they could see in the darkness small Christmas trees that had been set up across from them, lanterns lighting the trees. The next morning, they cautiously scrambled out of the trenches, meeting each other in no man's land. And for the next 24 hours, enemy soldiers helped one another bury the dead. Some of them played a, a game of soccer, uh, no rules, just kicking a ball around. They exchanged chocolate and cigarette gifts. They held a, a joint church service. In fact, a soldier named Bob Lavelle wrote home and he included these words, even as I write, I can scarcely believe what I have seen and done. It was a wonderful day. And they called it the Christmas truce of 1914. But on the day after Christmas, December 26, the soldiers shook hands went back to their opposing trenches and began to kill each other again. And they would continue to do so at the rate of about 6,000 casualties a day for the next four years. It was a brief moment of peace on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, but it didn't last. And I hear that story and think about that story and it causes me to ask the question to, to think about this, that we all long for peace, right? Don't we? We all long for peace. We, we want to see peace, not just in our, our world at large, but to know it in our minds, to know it in our hearts, to have peace with the people around us, to have peace in the face of an uncertain future. See, we all want peace, but it's so hard to find. Peace is so elusive and it, and it is so fragile. So often, doesn't it vanish almost as soon as it appears? So the question becomes, where can you find a peace that lasts? A peace that, that genuinely addresses the deepest problems and anxieties of our lives. Well, on the night that Jesus was born outside that 
little village of Bethlehem, there was an angel choir, as we know, that appeared in the sky and they sang this amazing song that's recorded in Luke 2.14. And you, you know these words, they sang glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, peace to those on whom his favor rests. All this month, if you've been here with us at Southwinds, you know that we have been studying the familiar words of the prophet Isaiah, uh, where he predicted 700 years before Jesus was born, how he would come and who he would be. He, he tells us that Jesus, the Messiah, would come and would be our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father. And we've been studying what those well, those titles mean. Well, today we're going uh, to see what it means for Jesus to be the Prince of Peace. And I want us to read once more about this Messiah, about this promised King who we know, who we worship today as Jesus, the Son of God. This is the Word of God, Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this is the word of the Lord and all God's people say, amen. I think we all hear stories like the Christmas truce of 1914 and it, it just speaks to a deep longing in our heart because we all want peace. But, but what is peace and how can we have it? Well, peace according to what the Bible teaches is, is really captured by this Hebrew word for peace, which is shalom. It's a word I think many of us know, we've heard before. In fact, I just want us to say it out loud together. Can we do that? Say shalom with me. Shalom. Kind of makes you feel peaceful just saying. It's just a peaceful word, shalom. And, and shalom is this beautiful, complex profound word that means more than just, you know, peaceful, easy feeling. That's for people of a certain age here. It means more than just you're not fighting with the in-laws at Christmas time, you know. It, it means more than that. Shalom, shalom means things like flourishing and wholeness and well-being. And this is, in fact, the kind of peace that the prophet Isaiah is prophesying Messiah will be. He's telling us that Jesus offers us shalom, peace. And when you study the Bible and study this concept of peace, it occurs uh, around 375 times in the Bible. Uh, you, you begin to see at least four different kinds of peace that Messiah will bring, at least four kinds of peace that, that tell us what it means to live under the reign of this Prince of Peace. And I want to describe those for you briefly. And then when I'm finished, I want to invite us all to once again surrender our lives uh, to the Prince of Peace so that we can experience his peace in our hearts this Christmas. Here's the first kind of peace that King Jesus brings. It's spiritual peace. This is the peace of God or peace with God. It's the peace without which no other kinds of peace will ever be ultimately possible. In fact, if you don't have peace with God, the one who created us, the one who created reality, then you're never going to have true peace. Then nothing you ever uh, uh, do in your life will ultimately work. Everything will always be off. You won't be at peace. Peace with God the Bible makes really clear is not something we naturally possess. In fact, Paul writes in Colossians 
121, that we are by nature alienated from God, that we are by nature enemies in our minds, enemies of God. Maybe someone's here and right now you're thinking, well, that's not true of me. I mean, I'm not opposed to God. In fact, I've always kind of liked God. But hostility to God, according to the scriptures, is less about how you feel about him, at least in your thoughts, and more about the fact that none of us, no exceptions, wants to allow God to be God in our lives, that all of us, no exceptions, want to run our own lives. We all want to do what, what we want to do. We're, we're all natural born rebels. That's what the scripture teaches. And the, the Bible calls that sin. And the Bible says we're all guilty of it. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Maybe you've seen that in your life when you've bristled against God's standards for moral purity. I've had many people over my years as a pastor tell me, who is God to tell me who I should sleep with? Maybe, maybe you've seen that in your life when you get angry because you hear God tell you, you've got to forgive someone who's hurt you and you say, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. Why are you telling me to do that, God? Maybe you don't understand why you should have to read God's word and learn how God wants you to live. Maybe you find yourself thinking, why can't I just do my best and be a good person? And whatever it is, however we do it, whenever we push back against God, whether we're conscious of it or not, we're showing that we're not at peace with God. Anytime any time that we think or we say or we do anything that, that hurts a person that God has created, a person that God's commanded us to love, we're showing that we're not at peace with God. You see, sin always makes God our enemy. In fact, we'll never know peace until our sin is dealt with, until our sin is paid for. And this peace only happens when we lay down our arms, when we surrender the throne of our lives to G King Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. Do you know that peace with God is why Jesus came to earth? He, he came to this earth to take the punishment for our sinful rebellion, with it, which is death. And he did that by, by dying on the cross. And in fact, the prophet Isaiah, he prophesied that as well. Later on in Isaiah, this is chapter 53, he said, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, that brought us peace was on him, peace with God. And see, when we receive the forgiveness that Jesus won for us on the cross, that's when we have peace. We studied this a few months ago in our study through Romans this past year. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that is our sins are forgiven, we've been made righteous in God's sight, because of that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to picture again those World War I trenches. The Bible says that all of us naturally, we are dug in, we're living in our sin in opposition to God. There is a no man's land of shame and, and guilt that's between us and God. And what did God do about that? 
Well, that story, the Christmas truce of 1914, tells us about a brief moment where, where some enemy soldiers met halfway and had a momentary peace, but God did so much more than that. He didn't meet us halfway. God came down from heaven, down from eternity, all the way down into our trenches, all the way down into our broken, fallen, violent world, into a dirty manger, a stable. He came into our broken world, not to fight us, but to sacrifice himself for us because he loves us. See, peace with God means you're forgiven. It means you're loved. And and spiritual peace, peace with God, that is the foundation for every other kind of peace. When you receive it, then true shalom in your life becomes possible, including the second the second kind of peace, which is personal peace. This is often referred to as the peace of God. It's referring to what's in your heart as you live life in a world that's not peaceful. In John 14, 27, Jesus is about to leave uh, his disciples. He's going to be crucified. And he tells them, I am leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart. I want you to see what does it say next. It says, the peace I give isn't fragile. See, it's not like the world's peace. And this word fragile, what what does that mean practically? Well, let me just demonstrate it for you, okay? Are you with me right now? Um, I want to ask you, would you all just close your eyes for a moment? You can trust me, all right? Just close your eyes. And I want you, while your eyes are closed, to, to think about what is robbing you of peace more than anything else in your life right now. Can you think about that? You got it? Okay, you can open your eyes. Now, I'm not a mind reader, but I am going to put what you thought of on the screen right now because everybody in the room thought of one of four things uh, that are robbing us of peace. A place, pace, problem, or a person. That's gonna hit it all, I'm confident. See, a place, maybe it's home. Maybe home right now is not a place of peace for you for a number of reasons. Maybe because the in-laws have come uh, to see you. Maybe it's your work and you're dreading going back to work this next week. Maybe for some of you it's church because like you don't go to church usually and you're kind of freaking out right now. You're in this room with all these people and you're not sure what to think of it. Maybe it's pace, the pace of life. Everyone is so busy. We, we never slow down and we complain, don't we, all the time about how busy you are, but then we just keep putting more things into our calendars. And even when we slow down, don't we spend so much of our time doing this, like pumping dopamine into our systems? It's pace, it takes away the peace. And then there's a problem It could be finances, it could be health, it could be relationship, it could be an addiction in your life, it could be uh, your boss, or maybe it's a person. Anyone sitting next to their problem right now, would you like to raise your hand so we can pray for you? You're you're thinking, that's who it is, I gotta look straight forward, don't, don't twitch, don't blink. Now here's why I bring this up. You see, most of us think that when circumstances change, that's when I'll finally have peace. But that's a fragile kind of peace. And that's true for at least two reasons. The first one is, have have you recognized you don't have much control over your circumstances? You really don't. 
change, are able to change them? And then secondly, have you also figured out even if you change your circumstances, you always bring you with you into those new things and so there's not peace? See, only Jesus can give you peace that's not dependent on the outside circumstances. You say, how do we get it? Well, the Bible says we experience personal peace as we give our anxieties to God in prayer. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says, we tell God what we need. We thank God for what he has done. And he gives us peace. Now, I, I know, you know, this is obviously way more complex than just popping a prayer pill. You know, magic formula just goes away. We don't have time to explore that uh, right now. But, but this personal peace that Jesus offers us is real. It, it really is real. And, and peace Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of God. It's not that you're not going through problems anymore. It's that you're not going through those problems alone anymore. And I know if we had time and we had a mic up here that so many of you could come and you could give testimony to that, that God gives you his peace. Anybody want to say amen about that? Because he does. He really does. Here's the third kind of peace that Jesus wants to bring, relational peace. This is peace with others. I think all of us regularly in recent days, months, even the last few years, we look around all the time and, and we just feel like we're living in a day and age when everybody seems to hate everybody. You notice that? There's so much conflict and strife, violence, hate. It seems like everyone is dug in and divided. It's like this trench warfare going on. Everyone's on edge, ready to just get mad at everyone else. Do you realize that's exactly the kind of world Jesus was born into? But Ephesians 2.14 said that Jesus came, and Paul tells us in that verse that he came as our peace. He himself is our peace. That Jesus came and he destroyed the dividing wall of hostility, that Jesus came and he just kept running past all the barbed wire, past all the trenches, past every racial barrier, religious barrier, gender barrier, nationality barrier, language barrier. He ran past them all with his love, with the gospel to bring us peace. And Jesus, who is peace, calls those of us who are his followers to bring peace. It's one of the things he said in his Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers. We are to be Jesus' agents of peace. And we may not be really great at this sometimes, that's true. But it is our calling. Do you understand that? Wherever Christ's followers go, shalom should follow. I read recently an amazing story about a young woman named Jessica Long, and maybe you've heard of her. She's a, a Paralympian swimmer. She's won 29 medals, 16 of them gold. And her story began actually in an orphanage in Siberia where her birth mom abandoned her because she was born without any bones below her knees, which meant her legs needed to be amputated. 
Fortunately, as an infant, she was adopted by a loving American couple. They took her home. She grew up and, and she, she became a swimmer. In fact, a very good swimmer. She was a Paralympian by the age of 12, youngest one ever. She represented the USA at the Athens Games where she won three gold medals, again, as a 12-year-old. You fast forward 10 years and she's still competing and some Russian reporters hear the story and they go find her birth mom and dad and they want to get them, you know, reunited. NBC picks up uh, the story, sends a camera crew all the way to Siberia. And as Jessica is approaching this reunion, she knows that the toughest part of it will be forgiving her mom. I mean, how do you forgive someone who abandoned you? as a little baby. But fortunately, God had prepared her heart for this the year before. She was going through this real dark stage of her life. It was, it was just after the London game. She was experiencing trans uh, depression. She was having some eating disorders and it all got so bad she had to be hospitalized for a while. But then a friend invited her to a Bible study and she went, not really knowing what to expect, but at the Bible study, she actually met King Jesus there. And she surrendered her life to him and she received forgiveness for her sins and she experienced peace with God. And, and because she had received forgiveness from, from Jesus for all of her sins, she knew that she was gonna be able to extend forgiveness to her birth mother. Can I ask you a personal question? Is there anyone you're having a hard time forgiving this Christmas? Anyone that you don't have relational peace with? Maybe the truth is on Christmas Eve, you don't want to have relational peace with them. Maybe it's a parent who lets you down. Maybe it's an ex-spouse or maybe it's a bad boss. Some friend who left you in the lurch. Maybe it's people of a different race who've hurt you. Maybe it's members of the opposing political party. Maybe, maybe God brought you here this Christmas Eve so that you could begin experiencing the peace of Jesus, relational peace with some people in your life so that you could start maybe a process of seeking opportunities to make peace. Now, we have to be realistic about this one. Uh, Romans 12, 18, in fact, is realistic. It says, if it is possible... So as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And, and we know this is biblical wisdom that in our broken world, it isn't always possible that, that sometimes people won't make peace with us. Sometimes we're going to need to wait until the final coming of the Prince of Peace to find real peace with others. And that actually is our fourth and final kind of peace. I want to call it universal peace. It's the peace that never ends and this is a peace that will only come when Jesus returns a second time. When he comes and when he totally puts an end to all sin and suffering and death. If you were here with us earlier in December, maybe you'll remember how we talked in our series about, about how this prophecy that Isaiah gives was given during a time when Isaiah's nation, the nation of Judah, was under attack. And we talked some about how war was just a constant in the, the ancient world. And maybe you know this, but maybe you don't. War still is a constant today. 
I wonder if you know how many armed conflicts are going on in our world right now. I mean, everybody probably knows about Hamas attacking Israel, about Russia invading Ukraine. But did you know that there are 110 armed conflicts going on in our world right now? 110. Some of them are civil wars like in Ethiopia and Yemen or like in Myanmar, which has had an ongoing civil war since 1948. Think about that. Some of the conflicts are ethnic cleansings like in Sudan. Some of them are, are terrorist insurgencies like in Nigeria. Some of them are drug wars in places like Colombia or Mexico. And thousands of people are dying in conflict wars every year. And it seems like it just keeps getting worse. And when you think about that, when you look across the history of this world that is under the siege of sin... It's no wonder that someone like Bono wrote these lyrics a few years ago. You remember them? Jesus, he said, can you take the time to throw a drowning man a line? Peace on earth. Tell the ones who hear no sound, whose sons are living in the ground. Peace on earth. Jesus, in the song you wrote, the words are sticking in my throat. Peace on earth. Hear it every Christmas Time, but hope and history won't rhyme. So what's it worth? Peace on earth. Is he part of being a follower of Christ means that we understand that right now we wait and we groan like we also studied in our study in Romans. We groan in the middle of a broken world that needs its king, King Jesus, the Prince of Peace to come back and to make things right. We need Jesus to come back, and so we wait for him to do that. And the Bible promises us, just like the Bible promised us he would come the first time, the Bible promises he will come one day a second time, and he will bring total peace, total shalom to the whole world, and that peace will never end. One of the soldiers at the Christmas truce of 1914 was a German named Kurt Zemesch, and he wrote a poem and described the whole event to his dad. Here, here's part of what he wrote, translated. He said, thus Christmas, the celebration of love, managed to bring mortal enemies together for a time. But I told them I didn't want to shoot on the second day of Christmas either. One day, Jesus will say, no more shooting, no more shooting, not today, not tomorrow, and not forever. One more day, one day, he will make all things right. He will make all things right. Isaiah talked about this in this uh, prophecy that we have, have been studying. If you, you back up just one verse to verse five, he predicts that in the future, Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. It'll be fuel for the fire. He says, war is going to go away. But when will that happen? And Isaiah says, when a child is born. That's the prophecy we've been studying. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Listen to it again. For to us, 
A child is born to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You see, the deepest longing of every human heart, whether you know it or not, the deepest longing is for a good king, a righteous king, a just king, a king who will come and who will reign in peace forever and ever, peace that never ends. That is what every heart longs for. That's what your heart longs for. And at Christmas, we celebrate the truth, the reality that that king has come. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And Jesus still invites sinners everywhere to surrender their lives to him. Maybe God has brought you to this place on this Christmas Eve to call you to take that step in your life. I, uh, I want to invite everyone who's here to pray a prayer that I'm going to put on the screen in just a moment. And it can be a, a prayer, maybe a first time commitment to Jesus. It can be a prayer where you renew that commitment, that surrender to Jesus. But it is a prayer that should be the prayer of every one of our hearts. It's a prayer about a gift that Jesus wants to give us, the gift of peace. Would you join me this last, this last uh, prayer that we pray? And it's gonna be on the screen and we're gonna read this just together. Let it be the expression of your heart. Heavenly Father, you just join me now. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace the savior of the world. I believe he died so I could be forgiven and rose again to give me life. I receive this new life. I receive this peace. Now, Lord, help me stay focused on you. Lead me from war to peace, from falsehood to truth, from despair to hope. Let your peace fill my heart and overflow through me to my world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask now if you would bow your heads as we continue in our service. Our, our ushers are going to come forward and we're going to receive our offering this morning as you're just praying and just celebrating in your heart the coming of the Prince of Peace. And after, after we have uh, sung and received our offering, we're going to light the candles. Just continue in a spirit of worship as we worship this Prince, this Prince of Peace.